Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. If you were on TikTok this summer, you likely saw videos of people acting out a violent death after drinking McDonald's Grimace milkshake. Marcus Gartrell and Brandon Henderson are the creatives behind this campaign, which went viral and sets a playbook for how marketers can relinquish control and let their consumers take the reins on a creative idea in the age of social media. The co-CCOs of Wyden and Kennedy in New York stepped into the role in September as part of a restructuring that put a trio of leadership, two chief creative officers and a president in charge of each office. In this episode, they chat about running creative at one of the world's most famous agencies and tease the work they're creating for brands like Michelob Ultra and FanDuel for the Super Bowl. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, Editor-in-Chief of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Marcus. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Doing well. Excited to have you both here today. Same. So are you both um, staying sane two weeks out from Super Bowl? Have you lost your minds yet? Not yet. That'll that'll happen with when the, when the last shoe drops <laughs> next week at some point. <laughs> what, so what does the last shoe dropping entail? Are you mean as a sports fan or as an advertiser? Because it's two different emotional states. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly for the purposes of this podcast, I mean in ad, in the advertising part. But we can talk about football, too, if you want. I just personally don't have much to say about it. <laughs> That's the thing about when the last shoe drops, you never you never can really see it coming. You know, it'll be something, some sort of roadblock, some sort of last minute change, some sort of opportunity will pop up. And and if you tried to guess it now, you would you would be incredibly yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, I want to we'll talk about Super Bowl a bit later. But um, first, I want to just talk about both of you and your roles at Widen, New York. Um the agency had a, a restructuring a few months ago that sort of went back to a its old model of having two creative leaders and a president as a trio running each office. So that put you both in the co-CCO position in New York. How's it gone so far, the first few months in the role? Uh, it's, it's been awesome. It, it's, it's a whole new world. It's a whole new vocabulary you have to learn. It's a whole new... Uh, um, it's funny, I would say that being a CD at the end of the day, you would be very like mentally tired. And, and at the end of the day, in our new jobs, I feel very emotionally tired. <laughs> I go home and I'm like, God, like, I don't want to talk for a little bit. Just we'll talk about the, why, what, where does that difference come from? It's probably the fact that when you're in a CD role and below in the creative space, you're using more of your like the creative part of your brain. So you feel a little bit more engaged in like those stimuli. And and the cool thing I think about the new role is that because it's such a sort of culture creator for the space of Wyden and Kennedy, that comes with a lot more like a different kind of consideration for the, the, the actions you take and the decisions you make, because it's more about all the people that exist here and trying to create a space that they can exist in, which feels weirdly more existential than mm. whether or not you think something is funny in an ad. <laughs> 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 well, it's interesting, right? Because it's sort of like, it's sort of like a lot of roles where you're, you're a practitioner of a craft and then you move into becoming a manager and a leader. And then your job is really more about getting people to do their jobs and <laughs> making sure that they're happy and the place is running smoothly. Um, how is it like as a creative person taking on more of a management role? Like talk a little bit about that and, and what different skill sets that requires. It's funny because every once in a while during a like a, a difficult 
conversation or, or, or something that involves math or general actual business skills. Like uh, they'll, they'll look at Marcus and I with hopeful expressions and we'll be, we'll go, we were art majors. How <laughs> 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 we have become responsible for this specific thing, but um, we'll, we'll do the best we can. Yeah. But I think yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's still fun because it is, it's bringing like a creative point of view to all the decisions, which is fun. Like, I think there's just a different level of like a purview you have there. Um, it is still people centric because you are thinking about the people, but you're trying to think of it in interesting ways that are equally surprising, you know, like you, you don't want to give people something that feels familiar and uninspiring. So a lot of the decisions we make are still based on creativity, even though they're more pointed at sort of culturally, how can we have an impact at wider than Kennedy and broader as well? <laughs> Yeah, well, you guys have the advantage of um, like actually understanding what the people at Widen do all day and having empathy for that as well, which I think helps inform the leadership decisions. Yeah, Yeah, we bounced around on so many different accounts here and interact with so many different people here. It's good to have that perspective and and all those those people's stories and information that we could draw from to to make bigger, broader sort of decisions and people Mm -hmm. that we can dialogue with to kind of bounce the ideas off of i think to your original point about having two creative leaders you know it's always nice to have that dialogue and and Mm -hmm. including g as the president to have a broader space we can have that dialogue and then more people outside of our circle that we know we've interacted with to kind of bounce ideas off of just for feedbacks great to have you know a sense of the the bigger broader place when we make any decision yeah it's interesting not a lot of um, agencies have co-CCOs, right? It's usually like, it's it's historically very like hierarchical department, the creative department. And yeah. there's in a lot of places, the, the old way, there's like one, usually a guy at the top <laughs> <laughs> making decisions and sort of redlining things and approving ideas. How is it different at Widen given that you share the role and you're a little bit more of agency leaders as well? I mean, one of my favorite things about Wyden, uh, you know, Marks and I have both worked a variety of places in, in New York. One of the things I think that makes this place so special is that it is, it, it's the only place I found that the idea that we're all pushing for the creative and for the work is actually true. Um, we all kind of get the gold star here for if the work is impactful in culture and moves business and is interesting and is good and has an opinion. And that goes the same for account and strategies it does for the creative department. So what that means is you're able to really trust who you work with. So having having Gia in as our president, Marcus and I look for her, look at her as somebody that has the same goals in mind with us, just has a different brain. So to, to Marcus's point, like you can have an honest and open dialogue uh, with somebody that just compliments the things that that we are admittedly bad at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that like the other component that makes widen so special is just how much it encourages a spirit of debate. So I think to, to your point about like having co-CCOs, it allows for more debate to go in the same direction versus being like one decisive voice that tries to get everyone to follow that decision. It's, you know, we had a long conversation about whether or not macaroni and cheese is a pasta once. And like, that was just the <laughs> conversation that feels, what was the, deci- what was the outcome of that debate? I don't know if we ever got to one, but the debate was more important than the actual decision. <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> Everybody had an opinion about it. And that's what made it a, a fun conversation in a place that we can have something as trivial as that as a debate allows us to do sort of more bigger and broader, uh, informed decisions when we talk about them together and get to something interesting. 
Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about the work and, and creativity and how it's changing. Wyden has an incredible reputation for being an agency that builds these enduring brand platforms and amazing, beautiful films and ads. And obviously the place has changed over time. There's a lot more social media focus. There's a lot more focus on, you know, meeting consumers and and communities where they are online. So talk about that shift a little bit and how you think about creative and creative at widen maybe differently than it's been executed in the past. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Even, even when I got here, you know, many years ago, there was a huge focus on television. What's the big spot? Is it as beautiful and as perfectly crafted and as interesting as it can be? And and that's that is still part of it. I'd be lying to you if I if I said it wasn't. But more often than not, you're surrounding it with a bunch of other things that you can kind of put out into the social space and see what kind of really catches on. Like it's almost like you know. The, the days are gone when you would show up at the restaurant and be like, here's your meal. It's like, here's, here's a bunch of stuff that, that you can choose to get and like what speaks to you and what do you want to share and what do you want to participate in? Um, we found that that kind of is a more rich territory nowadays for people. Yeah. We talk a lot about like campaigns that have ingredients to fuel creativity for people. Like a lot of things we would say often on McDonald's was this idea of sharing the pen, which really goes to the fact that society's just evolved in a way that there's so many creators that exist in the world that for us to kind of broadcast purely to them without any expectation that they would make something creative out of the creativity that we start to give them. Like we, we need it to evolve where we can still have those big campaigns, but it was an awareness that these people wanted to own the ideas themselves and remix them and kind of share them. And it, it's not super different than, you know, word of mouth that existed forever. It's just, a whole new platform for how they do it. So the evolution had to become what can become culturally as interesting. We always kind of resonated in culture at Widen and Kennedy, but culture kind of evolves. And so does the output of what we need to give them to be relevant to them in these days. And in some ways, that's how we judge the health of, of the work we're doing. Um, our strategy department, for sure, will we'll look at, are people creating their own stuff with it? Are they talking about it? Are they reposting it? Um, are they are they making this their own as a as a metric of like, is this really impactful in culture? Yeah. So how has that kind of changed the creative process? Um, does it does it change like the starting point for an idea or is it more about how you roll that idea out into the world? Like talk about it from a process yeah, point of view. I think it I think if I were to if I were to try to put it into a way where we sound reasonably intelligent. <laughs> I think we used to think in campaigns um, before, you know, what are your three TV commercials? What is your print that goes with it? What is the radio? And now we more broadly think in platforms. What's the bigger idea that that sits above it all? And then out of that can fall everything from a post to a big TV spot to an item you create um, to, uh, to the traditional radio newspaper, all that stuff can fall out of it, but you have to think of it as a bigger platform versus a smaller campaign. Yeah. And I think that it does involve every piece of the process because it's, it's a strategy of, of like, what's the insight that's culturally relevant. It's the creative idea of like, what's a platform that could be not necessarily execution agnostic, but in some ways it has to be a big enough platform that it can transpire across 
film, it can transpire to social, it can be out of home and all those sorts of things. And also with comms, there's that level of where can it live to be interesting for product for production. It's who can we partner with that makes it more talk value to it? Like what song can we put in it to give it some cultural resonance? It's kind of every part of the process allows for more sort of doors for the fans to enter into and, and see themselves and relate to the, the output that we have out in the world because we always think there's one thing, but we really like to put a bunch of fires everywhere to see which ones really pick up and spark to be a bigger cultural uh, connection. Yeah. Does that kind of change the way you hire for your department, like the types of creative talent you're looking for, the teams that you have in place? Um, yeah, and more, I think, changes the, what their portfolios look like and what <laughs> we have to try to how you try to decipher if the creative would be awesome or a good fit here. And mostly what we're really looking for is someone that has a point of view, like a unique way of looking at the world, um, something that varies from Marcus and I, like some, someone that's going to bring a fresh perspective. And then generally someone that's kind of up for it. You know, like I, I think that enthusiasm mixed with a point of view put into kind of the system of, of Wyden and Kennedy can create great creatives uh, fairly, <laughs> fairly often. Yeah, I think the philosophy from you know the birth of white and it's kind of stayed the same to brandon's point about like bringing in diverse talent with different points of views to create a, a, a more interesting output than one mind could think of that came from a traditional background <laughs> but i do think that like as the world's continue to expand that means there's so many more places we can go to find that talent like there were no people that had incredible Twitter accounts in 1984, you know, that were like, yeah, give them in one and can't even now it's like, there's people that just write well on Twitter, people that are just creators on TikTok or, you know, all different sorts of creative backgrounds, filmmakers that come and work here too. like finding those people that do have different points of view, allow us to make more interesting work in spaces that we probably wouldn't have thought of from our, our backgrounds solely. Yeah. Well, I guess no one has a Twitter account anymore either, right? <laughs> no one will admit to it. I went, <laughs> I went to search on my phone for Twitter early and I was like, why aren't you opening the app? And I was like, oh, I'm doing this for Twitter. That was my phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. X. <laughs> so one um, really great example of, I think, what we're talking about is the campaign that Wyden did um, for McDonald's this summer with Grimace. Yeah. It was, first of all, like my favorite campaign of the year. So <laughs> thank, thank you, you for making me laugh. Um <laughs> Talk a little bit about you guys have both worked on McDonald's a lot. Like talk about how you approach that idea and also how you kind of got the client to be okay with like what happened, like how it, how it organically evolved on TikTok and on social media. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Like uh, anything we do on McDonald's begins with what we would call a fan truth. And that's just kind of uh, a fan's truth. About their experience at McDonald's and in the kind of specificity of it, you can kind of unveil like a greater thought about the company. So we began talking about birthday parties at McDonald's and how when when Marcus and I were growing up, it was a huge deal to have a birthday at McDonald's. And as we started talking to the creatives, they were saying, you know, it's a, a shame to admit that like we don't know anyone that has had a birthday at McDonald's because they're younger Gen Z creatives. They just didn't mm. have that experience. Yeah. And so they were like, what if we, what if we threw a party, a birthday party at McDonald's and invited everyone so everyone could experience it. And kind of right there, you're like, cool, stop. Like, let's, <laughs> let's all go home for the day and uh, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow. Let everyone pat themselves on the back on the way out. Work is done. <laughs> and then they come back and say, all right, we want to tell it through the lens of, of Grimace. 
and uh, he's got a, a following. He was kind of our first, um, our first uh, kind of push into the uh, to the world of like we don't need a celebrity collaboration. We have our own homegrown celebrities. Like let's let's let Grimace shine. Um, and then from there, to kind of Marcus's point, it becomes a whole bunch of stuff. We made um, like an eight bit video game that you could port to your uh, to your Game, game Boy, Boy Color. Color yeah. We made the commercial. We uh, collaborative shake, music like, playlists on Spotify that people could add birthday music. So it was all these different, again, to the ingredients point, like different ports of entry for fans because a birthday party deserves all those components, games and music and a great drink for people to enjoy. So we were like, we got a bunch of different pieces here. And because the client was so, you know, into the share the pin idea, there was this love for like, we always wanted to create something that fans could kind of take and make their own. Every campaign, we got a lot of, you start to see like fan art online. And I think throughout that month, there were a lot of different moments that it was like, cool. Now people have de- declared Grimace a queer icon of their own volition. They decided <laughs> that this is what Grimace is. And yeah, he started showing up at parades. Yeah, this is great. Every, every week it felt like the campaign just continued to evolve. So, you know, when we got to the point of the TikTok trend taking off so much with the, the you know, the, the Grimace shake sort of horrific <laughs> murder mysteries <laughs> that occurred. <laughs> there was that moment of like, you know, we, we've gotten so comfortable with this share the pin idea. We had to talk about, you know, what we were doing. But to, to Brandon's point, the initial the initial invite was there's a generation who is not experienced to McDonald's birthday. And we were clearly seeing this generation engage with this campaign in a way that we would have never thought of if we were <laughs> like, you know, what we're going to start on TikTok this trend where people get the shake and do this thing. And like, oh. <laughs> That's what I loved about it is because <laughs> if you think about it, the trend is people drinking this milkshake and like ha- dying a horrific death. And instead of McDonald's, like freaking out and putting out some statement, like the Grimace milkshake does not kill people in really? real life. Like they just leaned into it. And really? I feel like that's, that's so hard for a brand to do sometimes. And, yeah. and resisted all of the urges that, that would have probably killed it. You know, like they didn't film one of their own. You know, they they kind mm-hmm. of just they, I think Grimace said, I'm not I'm not watching me, me pretending I'm not seeing. This. Yeah. And then they left it alone <laughs> to do its own thing. It's like you don't want mom and dad showing up at the party and being like, we can dance, too. Yeah, so exactly. Great, <laughs> creating that space for for Gen Z to kind of put their stamp on it. And, and I love the beauty of it because there was always this idea that like every video started with them saying happy birthday grimace so inherently every video was a reminder of grimace's birthday at mcdonald's and that really does show the power of like a a great partnership with a great client that's brave enough to let that moment happen and see sort of the the groundswell that it can have you know for it to be mentioned next to barbie last year is insane for ad campaign to do yeah, it's also sort of speaks to this bigger trend that we're seeing of mascots really making a comeback and being these sort of more like three dimensional characters you can interact with. We did a story over the summer about like the unhinged mascot and we looked at Grimace and yeah. Duo the Owl and the Sponge Monkeys and um, all these different mascots that are making a comeback what do you think is happening here? Like where does, how does social media play a role and Gen Z and why? And like, what does that mean for, I guess, the whole influencer celebrity paradigm? Like, can you just have a cool mascot and call it a day? Or <laughs> what, do you, what do you what do you guys think? Well, it's probably two things, right? One is online. It, become, it can kind of become an avatar 
where where you can put your own thoughts and your own um, spin on it and, and be creative, but within a set of boundaries that everyone can understand. I would say that the funniest one for me this year wasn't even, I guess it was technically an ad campaign. It was the Pop-Tart that came out during that college football <laughs> game. Yep. And it was wild. That thing came out, like kind of did its thing and then went back into the toaster oven with a sign that I think said, live your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then they toasted a, a version of it. And then afterwards, all the players ate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, where do you even start? Yeah. And is that, an ad campaign like <laughs> like it's, it's like when those are the things that are moving culture like to your question a, a while before it's like you have to think wildly different to, to to reach people and to get on people's radar yeah you do indeed well i guess how do you two as like you're why didn't you have the reputation of of widen behind you right like how do you not get complacent with that? Like, how do you always stay on your toes? How do you like stay in the position of, of being the best? Um, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel like it goes back to the start of the place. Like, you know, it was it was founded by a bunch of people who didn't love advertising. So they wanted to create something that was new and different. And it was an ad agency that didn't want to impress the people that came before, but wanted to impress the people that were going to be the future of what advertising was going to be. Right. So there's always been this grand experiment that exists here. And I think that level of, of belief gives you a bit of like freedom and inspiration and encouragement to continue to try to evolve it forever. Right. Like we talk a lot about like trying to make, as we talk about these campaigns, like reaching for things that connects with Gen Z in a way that we wouldn't have expected has a lot of like, making work that is really made for someone new and someone interesting. You know, we talk about trying to create work really that's less about like the pressure of the people who created this thing and the, our parents essentially and trying to make some work that makes like your kids proud. Because if you can go home now in a society that doesn't really think of advertising as as big of a career when we're recruiting from TikTok and all these different spaces, it's like to make what we do currently interesting in society is a kind of bigger uphill battle, but it's a great sort of North star to try to make something that makes our kids say, it's great that our parents work in advertising or to get somebody that never thought about it to think about why and Kenny has a place that does kind of harbor that cool creativity and continues to evolve as the world around it evolves too. There's also a funny thing that, that happens here where it's not enough to just get hired here. Although for, for, for me, it was incredibly difficult, but <laughs> once that happens, like it's not, it, it's not just about, being here, it's kind of about adding to that legacy. Like that's kind of the goal. Um, to Marcus's point, like that the grand experiment has has taken many different shapes over the years. So to be able to kind of be at the helm of of one of those is a uh, it's kind of one of those once in a lifetime things where you you want to leave your mark. You don't just want to have like passed through. Yeah, well, you yeah. certainly don't want to be the one to be behind uh, the reputation getting worse. So. <laughs> Cross our fingers. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. So let's talk about back to Super Bowl. Yeah. We are less than two weeks out from the game. You're working on a few different campaigns. And I think this was out of the Portland office, but DoorDash just revealed its plans for the Super Bowl. Were you guys involved with that campaign or is that mostly out of the, the Portland office? Yeah, that one's run out of Portland. So they they they've been doing some good work on DoorDash recently, which we're 
very excited about. Happy to take credit for it if you want to throw our <laughs> into the history books. <laughs> well, what, what I was going to kind of, what I was kind of trying to tee up there is like the whole, um, the whole element of being able to DoorDash anything from, from the Super Bowl, right? Is a really like interactive. Yeah kind of idea and it sort of speaks to this what we were what we were talking about earlier which is like it's more than just the ad these days right like you have to have a whole 360 omni-channel whatever buzzword you want to use campaign around the super bowl so talk about that a little bit and how you've approached campaigns for for some of the brands that you're working on this year yeah i think i mean for fanduel for instance coming back to the super bowl again like we love that last year it was really about like not just a spot and not even just a live spot, but creating like an event within the game itself. Right. Cause to your point, it's not just, you can't just throw a big budget spot on TV because the audience is waiting for it because every spot kind of feels like they have the same big name celebrity. And like, here's a big brand and they can kind of become like a bit of wallpaper when you get to that point. So it needs to have something that exists outside of just the moment has that talk value can interact with, the audience in more ways than one and, and can live pre during posts and, and just get people kind of engaged beyond just sitting back and passively watching a ad itself. And this wasn't the Super Bowl, but the, the World Cup was a great example of that when um, when Budweiser found out they couldn't serve beer there. Mm-hmm. The so like to turn that into to your point, like that, that bring home the Buds campaign is it, the bring home the Bud campaign. It's, is that an ad? It like it had an ad, <laughs> but like it was a bigger thing. It was something everyone could could participate in and talk about, and it could evolve through the games. Who's going to get the buds? Um, and it's almost like that's that's what you need to succeed in, in those things. A, a big spot without something very interesting to talk about, you know, can can run the risk of of fading into the rest of it. Yeah, I think the trap is to just look at the moment as one where all of culture is watching instead of an opportunity to actually create culture in the moment. Mm. So like giving people something to react to, something to talk about, something to own and action to take. Like, I think all of that becomes a bigger challenge, but kind of the most interesting versions of what we can do in that platform. So we, we continue to look for opportunities to do that when we get those sorts of assignments, whether it's Super Bowl or World Cup or or even just yeah. a summer campaign for Grimace. <laughs> well, one thing we've been talking about is just the use of celebrity in Super Bowl ads and the the arguable overuse and, you know, whether people are, is it just, is it too much of a risk to not just like have a big name attached to it, too much money on the line? What do you both think about the use of celebrities in Super Bowl ads and whether or not that's sort of like happening at the expense of storytelling in some cases? Yeah, I think it's always goes back to to the point about having a point of view with any sort of creative output that we have. So a celebrity without the point of view, to your point, could just become a a trap. But like, you know, no one's against having someone that actually has a point of view and using them in the world that makes them sort of create something that people can actually react to instead of just being starstruck by, you know, the biggest name that we can outspend. So there's a lot of conversations when we do use our celebrities in our campaigns or any campaign that anyone does to make sure that you're actually saying something with them instead of using them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that Wyden works with AB and Bev. Obviously they're making a big push in the Super Bowl this year. I think they're investing more than any other company. They had a rocky year last year with Bud Light and the Dylan Mulvaney scandal. I know you're not working on Bud Light, but 
talk a little bit about like their Super Bowl plans and the the strategy behind what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, I mean, they're they uh, knowing less about their entire Super Bowl plan, but but knowing a lot about AB uh, having worked for him for a couple mm-hmm. years, um, they are a brand that that their goal is just creative greatness, and and it's it's actually. As tough as it can be, it's really impressive and really admirable because they don't want to just put an ad on TV for ad's sake. They want to say something. They want to be. They, they want to make people feel something, um, and and that could be a variety of feelings. Uh, but it's a. They have such a legacy of amazing Super Bowl ads, yeah. and they have such high standards for what they do now. It's both a terrifying thing to, to, to work on, but an incredibly inspiring thing to work on at the same time. Yeah, it's not dissimilar to your point about containing the legacy of Wyden and Kennedy. Like, AB always has such great ambitions and such a great history when it comes to these moments that it's another opportunity to just add to that legacy of great AB ads. So it's a it's mm-hmm. a fun challenge every year, and it's something that we're always excited about. When, when I was working on my palms were definitely sweating. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, to that point, like, are the stakes higher this year to get it right? I don't think stakes ever get higher. I think they're always high. <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl is kind of the highest they can get, right? It's like it, it. You know what we've signed up for when you when you go to make a Super Bowl spot. You're trying to have the best Super Bowl spot. Um, and yeah, no, I don't think I don't think they get higher. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you guys do during the Super Bowl? Do you? Cry? Do you? <laughs> I just rewatch you... Eagles games. I just watched when we were actually good. I always think about like creatives during. Do you guys get together and like nerd out? Are you so tired? You just like need a support group. Do you have like a therapy session? Like what? <laughs> the funny thing they don't tell you is that your reward for selling a Super Bowl spot is that now you have to be on call during the entire Super Bowl in case something yeah. happens that they want to respond to on Twitter that you have an idea that you think is additive. So like your reward for having the biggest ad of the year is not being able to watch it actually go on television. (laughs) (laughs) Me personally though, I kind of, I kind of withdraw and watch the game kind of just with my family and as like six to 12 Bud Lights or uh, Nickelodeon or whatever is, uh, is I can, I can get my hands on. Yeah, it's a it's a fun day. I mean, I think the hardest part about the Super Bowl is just trying to figure out when you're supposed to go to the bathroom because you want to see the commercial. So you have to pick a low point of the game so you can make a run to the bathroom and then make it back for the commercials. But it's always fun. I, I, I keep it pretty low key, too, where it's just like family and maybe a couple of friends if it happens, you know, and then everybody has their opinions about every ad that comes on. And, and we wait yeah. for the new trailers for the new movies that are going to come out in the summer. So it's a it's a great day. Yeah, you don't want to be the the person at the party like I have yeah. to triage something. Yeah, no. <laughs> so it's yeah. better to stay home. Wi Fi password, yeah. hurry! That's <laughs> the point of like shushing everyone at the party while commercials. Yeah, like, it's just fine. I'll watch the recaps, or we'll just we already probably saw them too. They're all on YouTube. Yeah, awesome. Well, so before we wrap, um, what is one thing we can expect to see from Wyden and Kennedy New York this year? What are you guys most focused on? God, it's funny. That's a, it's an interesting question because the things that I think we'll probably be most proud of at the end of the year, we probably wouldn't even see coming at the moment. Mm. Um, but I think 
maybe if I took this question, I probably took that question incorrectly. If you're asking it more from like a leadership position, I think Marcus and I, I think we just want to inspire the creative department and make them feel safe and make them feel like there is a place they can express uh, what they really want to say out in the world through the lens of, um, of some of these awesome brands we have. And like, I think if at the end of the year we looked back and the creative department felt like one cohesive union that was pumping out great work, we would be so happy. Yeah. I think that ability to create this space for all of these diverse points of view to come together, like the output of that ideally will just continue to be something that makes us all question like, is that an ad? You know, because I think that like it's harder to kind of figure out from is it just an anthemic film that Widen used to make to is the Grimace Shake an ad? Is the FanDuel Kick of Destiny an ad? Like are all these things that we're starting to create culturally resonant? Like are they just pieces of advertising or is that a sort of output of the collective that we've brought into this building and, and created the space for them to all just be their craziest, most creative selves, you know? Yeah. I think the the shape of what an ad is is certainly taken on new forms. So yeah. I'm excited to see what you guys do with it this year. And maybe we'll have another grimace moment. But thank you both so much. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you both you. so much. And uh, yeah, good luck on game day. Thank, thank you, you very much. Appreciate the chat. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening to Campaign Chemistry. Be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts and head to campaignlive.com for all the latest news on advertising and marketing.